And we welcome you inside this Friday edition of the Sports Ethos Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Comente here with you alongside, as always, my co-host, the incomparable and all-knowing Julian Edge. And then joining us today on our first Friday show in a couple weeks, we were enjoying the holidays and just not doing this. So now we're back and we have a guest with us. He's the host of uh, King's Pulse on Blue Wire Pods. He's a writer for the King's Herald. He writes great stuff, just like the whole team at the King's Herald. And now he just recently started writing for the Sacramento Bee, which is awesome. Huge congratulations to him. Uh, We're having Brendan Nunez on with us today. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on, guys. I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, as I just said before we opened up, it's been, I feel like it's overdue. We've gotten a lot of the King's Herald people in. And uh, for some reason, we hadn't reached out an invitation to you. So thank you, Jill, for doing that. Jill's Jill's like the agent here. Uh, I send Jill out to recruit people while I like prepare four notes and read whoever the guest is. I just my preparation yeah. is just reading the Twitter bio of that person. I and will that's how say I learn we, everything. we have had convos back and forth. It's just the timing has never worked. But OK, it good. Worked. It worked this time. So we're, we're, work, we're working our way through the King's Herald building of just <laughs> people that we can bring in. It's because you found out I'm a Libra. <laughs> this is also true. I, uh, I was going to shout out Brennan for having a September birthday like me and call him a Virgo, like go Virgos, but we're actually not both Virgos. I'm a Virgo and Brennan is right on the, on the cusp on the other side where I don't know anything about Libras actually. Me either. I, are- I usually jokingly tell people I'm a zebra and just move on. And, there you go. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that then. Cause I was gonna say, I only know anything about Virgos. Um, <laughs> cause we're the best. All right. So today we're going to be talking about pretty strictly Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. We can't stop talking about it. It's all the Kings want to talk about right now. When the team sucks, as they suck, we find some stupid storyline and we take it and run with it. That's what we've done with Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. And thankfully for us, Jill, Brendan has put together a lot of research and has a very strong opinion as to this pairing, this young duo that the Kings have that people think they should already blow up because they haven't immediately won a championship or made the playoffs. So Brendan, I'm going to just open it up to you. I don't know where you want to start on it, I know you have, again, some numbers that you want to show and like how they work together. However you want to approach it, my friend, not only do we appreciate it because we're both in the corner of you don't need to trade them, you know, De'Aaron Fox, just because they're both playing well. But it's all you, man. Well, um, (laughs) deep breath. I know. I I think what it is for me is um, and I know Jill said she agrees with this uh, prior to pressing record is just the certainty of the takes I've seen recently that like the Kings have to trade De'Aaron Fox, that they have to trade this player. That's one of seven players in NBA history to be 24 years old or younger and average 25 and seven. And he's been surrounded by Tyrese Halliburton is probably the best teammate he's ever had. He just got him last year. Um, And He's gone through, if you count Alvin Gentry, three coaches now in four and a half seasons, two general managers. Um, De'Aaron Fox has become the level of player that he has despite all the circumstances that he's been placed in by the Sacramento Kings. And I just don't understand. With all those circumstances, he's led in that 18-19 season, Jaeger's last year, them to the best win percentage that the Kings have seen since 2006. Um, I just don't know how 
I can't comfortably say that De'Aaron Fox can't do X, Y, or Z until he's actually surrounded with good players. Um, and I think that, you know, while there are plenty of issues with the surrounding pieces that we've seen with Fox that I think need to be cleaned up, the primary issue is that the Kings just haven't had enough top-end talent. Fox has been the only guy. Um, Halliburton is the first player he's uh, been with to average more than four assists a game. And I kind of went through the other teams throughout the last couple seasons since Fox came in the league and looked at other teams in that same scenario and either their bottom of the league or they have one of these extreme high usage players like a uh, Russell Westbrook um, back in OKC, but he's also working with Paul George or Damian Lillard, for example, but still has um, other great creators alongside him with CJ and and Nurkic falls into that. Um, Trey Young and Luka Doncic fall into this. Um, but De'Aaron Fox is asked to do so much on the offensive end throughout all these seasons in various circumstances and been able to make it work as the best player on these teams to an extent. Um, even though he hasn't had great complementary offensive talent and somehow simultaneously the defense has been so poor where it's if you're asking him to shoulder so much on the offensive end I don't know that any of I don't know what player you could reasonably ask to go and make up for the worst defense in the league um, especially when they're not even getting it the surrounding talent isn't making up for it by being great on offense or anything like this like we've kind of seen with Luca and so to me like Good players, the Kings don't have enough good players, and they have two good players, yes, pretty much. And, um, even you know, Harrison Barnes and um, Rashawn Holmes, I, I really like those guys. Um, they are, I mean, this season they've been quieter. Um, I, I think that you do have to question of like, are those the right players to optimize Fox and Halliburton? Um, and I just think that that needs to be the question more than figuring out one or the other, because good players need other good players alongside them to be successful in the NBA. Um, I, I just don't know how, I don't understand how it went from De'Aaron Fox is so ridiculously good. We need to do anything we can to surround De'Aaron Fox with good players to now Oh, that we ha there's there's another good player. So now Fox is expendable, and it's like okay, well, we're going to do the same thing over with Tyrese Halliburton or what? Because, and, and then the counter of um, this will be the end of my rant. Um, the counter to anyone, the the take of Halliburton can't grow or fully develop alongside Fox. Um, if Halliburton has to be able to play with other good players if he wants to be on a team that's going to win a substantial amount of NBA games. So even if Fox maybe isn't that answer, we don't know. Um, and I just don't think that in a small market and especially like just looking at the history of acquiring top tier talent in Sacramento and different small markets that it should be an easy decision and definitely not an necessity to move on from like I said the guy that is led you to your best win percentage since 
2006, even though he's had really poor circumstances, like he's just possibly getting decent circumstances. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't seem like the time to me. Gil, do you have anything you want to add on to that? No. Yeah. As we've talked about before on here, I'm pretty much in agreement on that. Um, I think it's, it's funny and how you mentioned toward the beginning that you can say he, right. He led, he's led the Kings to their highest winning percentage, right? What was it? Two, two, three years ago, 39 Um, wins in 2018, but the surrounding pieces, like we were saying last year, like Halliburton in his second year might be the best player you've put around him. So again, like he did that as a kid led you there. Right. And, and everyone said that was fool's gold, right. At the time, um, Divock said that they were going to be taking that next step and stuff, but no one was ever added or the pieces they, they added weren't enough. They weren't better. Like they were. And so to me, you're still like Jason Jones was saying, like you still have the same guys playing outside their strength, trying to fix things because your same puzzle pieces don't work. Like there's no progression anywhere because you're not changing. You're, you're changing very minimal, you know, outside of that. And so you also make it really easy on scouting you. Like if you have your same core players for the last three years, you know, you added Halliburton and, and Mitchell, like minute getters, right? Like your, your core minute getters on this team are mostly the same teams, teams know you now, like they have figured you out for the last three years and it's shown in the record, right? Like there's no, there's no progression. Um, and so you're just doing a disservice at this point. I mean, you see plenty of other teams try try and, you know, change little things. And Monty himself on almost deals clearly feels the same way because he's tried to, to send the same people every off season. It just hasn't worked and he hasn't had any kind of significant backup plan to, to fix it. And we know it takes two to tango. We all understand that. Um, but I would still, you don't have to do anything. I would still be trying to fix, you know, change the outside pieces before I went there, unless it was a complete, like, this is a ridiculous offer. I can't turn it down. It's he's 24 and they've just now hit one season together. Like if we didn't have our 15 year streak, I think the conversations would be very different. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just feel like that, that because things have been so bad for so long, it's now it's like, you have to do things, even though we're talking about a 24 year old kid. Right. Ooh, yes, he has deficiencies. Like we all know that, but the things he does very well, he does very well. And it's, it still gets you, you know, things. Um, and we just saw them, you know, for the first time, them both healthy and put up um, two really good numbers together. And part of that too, was Halliburton put up 16 shots. Like that's what we've been asking for too. Like you got your assists and put up your shots. Like, And that's what the team's been asking, you know, of him. And so I think you have to allow him that progression as well of what the team's asking him to do along with Fox, um, because he's growing himself too. So we don't even know, um, to me, it's hard to say what even works with him and what doesn't because he's, he's in year one and a half, like essentially one and a half and due to COVID and 
messed up rosters. Like you're not even getting, you're getting games with Fox and him together, but you're not even getting like full roster. You know what I mean? Like max, max games together for evaluation wise as well. So it's, it's, it's all muddied um, to me at this point to have any definite, like hot take on it. You know what I mean? And we, you're talking about Jill, you make a a point of like, you kind of want to have, and this is hard for Kings fans to do, of course, you kind of need patience when you're talking about a guy that's 24 and 21 or 20. I don't think he's even 21 yet till next month, Tyrese. So, you know, realistically in a normal franchise, you're like, give these guys time to work together because they're young and they need to learn how to play with one another. We don't have time or we don't want to wait in Sacramento. That's the problem. That's why these conversations we've been having is because we're so impatient. We're so wanting a a success right now, understandably so, because we deserve it, that we don't want to wait to see if this works. We want an immediate upgrade. We want immediate fix all solution which is probably not there that we know of, but well, it could and, be at the same time if he yeah, sends and one Monty of them off. hasn't helped himself in the roster construction area of, I, I get drafting best player available, but when it comes to everything else, like we're guards and centers, yeah, like we're a weird team. So it's, you don't have your wings. And I think if there were other people there, I think conversations would be different too. Um, if, if you look at like the teams that made these two guards that I think are somewhat comparable to Fox and Halbert, when you're talking the defensive end, like two guards that are able to shoulder a majority of the offensive burden, but then need to be made up for on the defensive end. Um, think back to a Portland roster that had, that made it work with ironically Mo Harkless and then Al Farouk Aminu. Um, you know, we saw Denver last year with Jamal Murray and Will Barton make it work with Paul Millsap and, um, and Aaron Gordon with Jeremy Grant prior to that. Um, like, I, I think that difference makers on the wing and yeah, it's just like, like Jill saying, I mean, you change the other pieces before you, you change your top end talent. Right. There are most of the guards in the league are not great at defense. Like that's not a thing, which is why when you see it, it's like they're coveted an anomaly when you, ha- you know what I mean? Like when guys do that, um, and why big men, right. Are, are so important and defensive wings and, and helping that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, and you look at Toronto, they just added a crap load of length, um, and their team defense, you know, c- can handle it. Same with Cleveland. They were just, a, where we were last year on defense, they added a crap ton of length, um, and some of the guys they had, they weren't touted necessarily for their defense besides like Okoro. Um, but even an old Kevin Love is thriving there um, with, with the rest of that roster. Lori Marketin, people were saying how horrible he was on defense in Chicago and he's making it work in Cleveland. Again, a lot of it is the pieces around you. And we know the pieces of this puzzle defensively do not work. Um, but without seeing other people with them, it's hard for me to even put it on anyone particular in general. Like if you took the surrounding people away from Fox and replaced that, and it was still, you know, failing and horrible, then okay. You could say you at least tried multiple things and got the same result. But when you're not even attempting to put other things around, like I, I we don't expect anything different. Yeah, I want to share this tweet real quick. And that has to be frustrating for the players themselves too, right? Like, I mean, we all get frustrated. You know, they do too. 
Pe- uh, people are questioning. Sorry, real quick. Fox's Fox's effort this year, and he doesn't look engaged. You can say the same thing for Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, like Rashawn Holmes. Like, I would be discouraged too if if you know the I'd put up the numbers that Fox had, and I feel like there's no real effort to put substantial talents around me. In fact, you let one of my best teammates just walk in free agency. Yeah. And a reason to be discouraged right here, the, the tweet from our, our trusted people at the Kings Herald. Uh, Greg tweeted this out earlier, although it came from someone else. Rob Hessing at the Kings Herald is the one that actually did this math. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet. It was looking back to the end of the 2019 season when DeBots had claimed that the team was ready to take the next step. Phoenix was 19 and 63. Chicago was 22 and 60. Sacramento, highest winning percentage since 2006, Brennan. 39 and 43 today you have the Suns and the bulls having had new coaches put in great coaches and good management. And then they made big trades or they reshuffled the roster around, around some of the guys that they liked. And now Phoenix is 30 and eight right now. That's prorated to be 65 and 17 at the end of the season. That's going to be top two in the West. Chicago's 25 and 10. They're going to probably win almost 60 games and Sacramento, of course, 16 and 24 on pace for 33 wins. They have gone in opposite direction that they were supposed to go or claim that they were going to be going under Vlade Divac. And it's because unlike these other teams that noticed these cores weren't working or that they needed to make a change, they haven't fucking done it. They don't want to do it for some reason. And that's why we're all going well, insane. It's, it's, they want to do it. It's just they're waiting for the perfect thing, which might yeah, never come. A and so at some point, you're going to have to shit or you get have off to the take pump, a risk. right? Like you have you to take gotta... a risk. Yeah. You have to take a risk when I mean, you're a bad team. It's really hard that there's ever going to be a perfect deal for you too, because everyone's coming at you like you're in desperation mode. Um, I, I don't think there were very many people that thought the, the Vucevic trade was, was amazing. Um, that thought that DeMar DeRozan signing this off season was, was all that special. I think most people probably thought it was an overpay. Um, and then if you look at like Chris Paul, I think was, was respected at the time, but there was a reason that he wasn't um, a hefty price. Um, now he is, but yeah. Yeah. And, and also both of those teams uh, made coaching changes that, that mm-hmm. worked out for the better. And they both stuck with the guy that were, mm-hmm. that they were hearing the same shit that we're hearing right now yep. with Fox of oh, oh shooting guards, just the worst player. Or he's just the best player on a bad team. Um, he can't contribute to winning basketball. He's never, he can't improve anywhere in his game, even though they're kids. Like he's a bad defender. <laughs> the defense will never be good with him on. And it's like, oh, wow. He has good players around him. And all of a sudden there turns out he's actually really good. Yeah. What do you know? No, that's a great, I mean, it really is. I didn't even know there was that many similarities and dots that we could connect there. I just kind of threw that out. But well done. And it's, it is a good, Zach Levine, especially a, a case where everyone was like, this is a guy that's just getting garbage stats on a garbage team. No, as a matter of fact, he's actually just really good. And now that he has people that can help some of his deficiencies, he's even got better. And the Bulls have gotten better because. Well, and look at Rubio getting thrown into Cleveland where, I mean, all that, uh, that was, he can't shoot, right? We've heard all that. And then um, that defense and mm-hmm. he was thriving. He was yeah. having like the best year of his career. In having a good time. So, I mean, when it works, it works. Like, and so. And when it doesn't, and then you have to show it here for three years. It hasn't worked, but yeah. there hasn't been any significant um, move, you know, outside of it. Yeah, I it wanted doesn't, to... it doesn't mean the top end talent is the problem. Like right. Curry exactly. averaged 32 points per game last year. Draymond was third in defense player of the year voting and the Warriors didn't make the playoffs. It doesn't mean they were the problem. They changed surrounding pieces and look at where yeah. they're at. 
I like it. I Imagine like it. that. Like it's a golf clap for me, Brennan. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, look at and they just they just um they have well, Gary Payton Jr. right who just signed. Uh, Steve Kerr said yesterday, "I'm just making the decision now." He <laughs> yeah. signed for the rest of the year, but it took him seven years to land in the right spot, and it it just works, right? Like sometimes it just works, yeah. um, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> we're a pro Payton podcast, that's for sure, Brennan. In case you weren't aware, we're we're big uh, Gary Payton the second people because I don't think we call him Gary Payton Jr. Let me know if you find an anti. Game. Gary Payton, the second podcast. That's also true. We're just, we're, we're fans <laughs> of the point. little guys. Thing. Yeah. We're the underdogs, but we want to be the underdogs. Um, the one big question I wanted to ask you, Brennan, after talking about Fox and Halliburton and pleading your case, you didn't say, and I don't think you believe that either one of them is actually untradeable or untouchable. I could be wrong, but as Jill and I have discussed quite a bit, when the team sucks and you don't win games, no one's untouchable. That's the rule of the land, the rule of the law, law of the land, whatever the fuck you want to say. Something about rules. And... <laughs> With the Kings, that's the case. With Halliburton and Fox, you like them. They're good players. Are either one of them really untouchable? No, because they haven't won. So if you were to trade one of those guys, who would you want to get? Who would you need to get in return? To or send not even Fox that. Or if you had your choice of who to put around them. Or that. Yeah. I guess you could make that either one. I think for me, um, Halliburton's easier to build around. And the reason I would lean in his direction, even though it's a lot there's a way higher percentage chance that fox is a a much better player than halliburton like i've been shocked by what we've seen from halliburton and i think that he has a much higher potential than what i think anybody would have reasonably expected coming out of iowa state like legitimate all-star potential when if you would ask me at the end of last year i was saying i i doubt he ever makes more than one all-star team at most and now i i think that it's totally in the uh, within the realm of possibility. And, but I, I would lean in his direction if, if I were the one making the decisions, because um, you have so much more team control with him as well. Um, so with what maybe isn't as big of a talent gap as I initially thought when he came into the league, also the youth. And if, if the front office was willing to, and, and this is where, if you were saying that if people were saying that Fox needs to be traded because the team needs to get younger, they need to um, embrace a youth movement around Tyrese Halliburton and be willing to retool or like soft reset around him. um, That I would understand. Um, But I don't think we've been given any reason to believe that the organization uh, wants to do that or is willing to do that. Also, you probably could reset with Fox as well um, and just keep those talents and add another of their caliber, if not better. Um, So if I had to move one or the other, I probably do lean towards Fox because of, like I said, the the contract situations. You lean towards towards trading Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Towards moving Fox. But Um, Yeah, I mean, it it would take a lot because you have to be more often than not, if you're trading away a player that is his caliber at his age, you're looking to you're sending him to a team that is um, willing to give up assets like you're going to get the worst of the um, returning talent. And I just don't think there's any reason for the Kings to risk that. So if it's a situation like I, I don't hate Fox for someone like 
Um, yeah, give me some names. Simmons, Sabonis, Jalen Brown. Like I don't, I don't hate it. Um, but b- because to me, that's taking advantage of those guys being available, not, oh my God, we need to move Fox. Who can we get? Um, right. And I, I think that's the difference. And I still don't know that I would, I would, I, I'm at the point where with, with those guys, I would be able to comfortably talk myself into it. I, and I'm just glad that I'm not the one making the decision pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when it is comparable talents because of their situations where they happen to be available, um, then sure. I, I don't mind considering it, but again, comes back to, we don't know what Fox is actually capable of still like, I know we've seen a lot of his game, um, but he's just been so forced to do different various things and supply so much on the offensive end um, while he's still, for some reason, getting the blame for what's going on on defense, that there's still possibly another level to De'Aaron Fox. So I, I do hesitate. Yeah, and and I think that regardless of what's done, that's just step one. Like you still need more moves. Like besides that, I think most of us are in agreement that one thing is not going to save this place. Like they still have to get step two, three, four, which all these other teams did to get there. It wasn't one move that, that put them over the top. There was, you know, they, they completed their plan, right. Right. To get there. And we've seen two failed, step ones. And then like, I don't know, maybe like step four or five of like the little end at the piece, but like none of the big stuff happened. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, we can talk about this till we're like blue. Right. And all the Twitter conversations every day are about it, but like, more stuff still has to happen, right? Like it's, um, yeah. I like to look and, and to me too, like depending on, you know, I'm really curious where we're going to be at the end of the year, you know, when we talk about coaches and all this stuff, because like, you know, that's another lot, you know, big convo out there of, of what coaches are available, but we also have no idea what this roster is going to look like. Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be different? And I think that, you know, can have just as, much of a play on who you bring in here with these guys um, as well. There's still just a lot of moving pieces. Um, you don't have to act like you don't know every don't. available coach and all their strengths and weaknesses already, <laughs> Jill. Um, so, well, yeah, I does. mean, because we have our favorites, right? But, like, depending Kenny on Atkinson. who's on the roster, like, it could change for me on who. Like, I, you know, I've been the big Sam Cassell person just because he is that guard whisperer. Like, I was big on Wes Enseld, you know, junior before he got picked up on Washington because he was offense and defense. Um, you know, Chris Finch was, you know, said to be the guy that, that Monty liked, um, with Minnesota and there's already talks like, even though they're doing well with new ownership, will that continue because he was hired under previous ownership. If he becomes available again, then is that maybe still your guy? Um, like there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of questions. And so I'm curious what he does with the roster and then how that's necessarily going to affect the. I feel good in knowing that regardless of what McNair and Wilcox and the team does, you can't, if you blow up this roster, it, it, it literally cannot get weirder 
of a roster than it is currently with all the cards. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not going to get worse in balance than it is currently do something. And it should just by like how it should happen. It should balance itself back out. Like you can't go further in a weird direction than they are right now. Uh, okay. There's one last question I want to ask you, Brennan, and then also kind of a joke question, but I'll save it. Uh, do you care for the 10th seed? How are you about the plant? Or is your mindset, if oh. we're not trying to get the sixth and above and actually make the playoffs, I don't care. Let's worry about next year, retooling the team, getting ready for a new coach, yada, yada, yada. I do not care about the 10th seed at all. Okay. Um, I, I care about having potential to, you know, on a good year, you could reach the conference finals that we saw like the Hawks do or Portland do that one year. Um, so I think when you put yourself in a situation where, where that's a possibility, um, then you're more attractive to, what is around you and um yeah no like the goals need to be set higher than that it's it's a good step um i don't think the 15 year playoff drought matters at all like I, right. I get that it does to the fan base and i think i have a little bit of a different perspective because i've only been around for three four years um but i don't think that monty mcnair should give a damn to be honest i, hope, I, agree. I, so. I agree it should be about building the the best product in within whatever his plan is, is trying to do because what is his plan? It, it, for the last 15 years, our plan has been right to get that eight and now it's 10 and, you know, and it's not really all that far off in the West right now, but it's always short-sighted. It's never uh, a long-term. Um, the issue is, yeah, so. yes. Yeah. The issue is if Vivek will let him go with that type of vision instead of, Vivek being like, no, I get what you're saying, Monty. Don't give a shit. I want the 10th seed so people will get off my back. Like any of us would count that as the playoffs because it's not the playoffs. And if you lose, then you're, you're just, it's just, it's just like an extra couple games, right? Then it, it's almost like it never happened. You it we know gets the forgotten. franchise will count it like it is, whether the yeah. fans do or not. That's which is a disgrace. They're going to have a banner up 10th seed. Look at Minnesota. Like they made it one year and then two years later, they're picking first in the draft. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it makes a difference. Like as much as it's cool Jimmy to check Butler. that box and not and they be got able rid- to... and the player who got them there. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't, yeah. Wasn't there after that. Um, yeah. As much as it'll be great to no longer hear this, this same stat thrown out. Like, do you think the Orlando magic were happy to lose in the first round for however many years in a row? Like with Clifford and Vucevic in the gang. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. uh, it doesn't lovable guys though. Yeah. So um, last thing here. Just because Jill and I always mess around about this guy because we just don't know what it is that that um, people don't like about him in the building in, in Sacramento, like why he doesn't get a chance, especially because they're so short on wing depth. But you were giving us some love today on your Twitter page. Oh, God. <laughs> and he had a career high 30 points for the Stockton Kings in their last win over Birmingham. Are you a Robert Woodard guy, Brendan? Are you I, in the, I feel like a I'm club the of your Robert own? Woodard guy. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> found to be- him, Jill. Plenty of yeah. us used to be. Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed. I was convinced that um, Robert Woodard was that was a Mo Harkless was a lengthy DJ Tucker. Yes. DJ Tucker. A lengthy defensive difference maker who could do enough on offense to not be um, not be a, a negative on that end yeah. consistently. Um, and his shot has just been his three-point shot has been horrific. So until, but I think a lot of that with a guy that's already not a great three-point shooter um, could have to do with confidence. So sure. if he gets they in a stretch, 
Right. And it, so if he gets in a stretch where, uh, and, and when you go back to that bubble, um, which feels like forever ago now, but I can't stop referencing when I talk about him, he was playing so free and it, he was ridiculously good. Right. Um, he was like ridiculously good. And I get it's Thank against you, the Spurs. <laughs> yes. Yes. A high paced offense. And they had their, he, he was the third guy on the team. They had their, you know, extreme high usage pick and roll in the G league. Um, and, but bu- pulling out these crazy uh, off the dribble moves, euros spins, like, I'm like, where is this coming from? And he just had a confidence to him that we have not seen since then. So if he can put together a couple games of being confident on the offensive end um, and, and let that translate to a moment or two in the NBA, maybe oh, that, that keeps him going. But yeah. I, I, I don't want to give myself hope. I'm not no. going to lie. Yeah. He's no, had you're... back-to-back double-double games. So there you go. We'll he's see a really good can, rebounder. He can keep it going. But his thing, too, is he's still been hurt off and on this year. So even while the G League has been going, he hasn't totally been fully healthy to even be able to, like, do what he's doing now. So I think the key for him is staying on the court. And then you, if they decide to keep him, you hope that the progression, you know, stays it, it, there. And they've displayed, like, zero confidence in him. No. He, he, yeah. he was... I, yeah, I forget what game true. it was. There was one game when it was all this injury depleted um, nonsense going on or COVID related. And Woodard was the one guy that did not play. Like Ramsey got significant minutes. Woodard is not playing. Justin he Robinson playing. is playing. Everybody Woodard is yeah. not yeah, he, was, he did not yeah. come in. Um, he was the only one. Bizarre. He seems like, you know, it, it's very obvious if you look at like, okay, who's the odd man out on this roster? If they yeah. were to bring in somebody else, it is obviously Woodard. And I'm sure and that they've showed isn't a great more feeling. confidence in King already than him. Yeah. And that's why we kept saying, give him the spot and then put Woodard on the two way then. Yeah. But don't, don't miss out on King though. Like that's my big, that was my biggest thing is like, get him locked up. Yeah. Um, and then you can still development, you know, yeah, Brennan, but. Don't put yourself in a club that's probably going to be closed here soon when he gets traded. But we do agree. I think all of us, the Kings could use his size. He is not on a two-way. He's on his rookie second-round contract deal. So he can play whenever. He's not, well, I guess they took the limitations off. But that was never a concern. The Kings just got to give him a chance. But we're going to end it there for today. Joe's got stuff to go do. We don't want to take any more time from Brendan. We appreciate him coming on. Dude, thank you so much. Go listen to his uh, Kings Pulse podcast on the Blue Wire podcast platform. And read his pieces for the King's Herald. Just follow the King's Herald. All their all their writers and content creators are fantastic. If you want to make yourself sad, you can watch the Kings game tonight against Denver at six o'clock. They're playing a shorthanded Nuggets team, which almost certainly guarantees that they will lose again. <laughs> um, they love losing to teams that are missing half their team. It's just I don't even know how to put that into words. It's just fucking hilarious. And then other than that, guys, you have a great weekend. Join us back here on Monday. We're going to do probably Jill water, Jill's water cooler next Monday. Make up for not doing it this week. We've, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We didn't have time to do it today. And uh, other than that, go Raiders. Biggest game in a decade oh, for the boom. Raiders. Yeah, no. Hey, this is a Raider podcast, wow. at least because I am a Raider fan. Wow. Jill's not a Raider fan. But go Raiders. Get that fucking win. Let's get to the playoffs, baby. <laughs> Kings, just do you. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Slater, dudes. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.